0: Well, good morning once again. Good morning. It's a beautiful day, amen. amen? I think I'm ready to gra- gather at that river, right? a little hot out here. But it is a great day to worship our Lord, amen? amen. Well, for those of you that may be joining for the first time, my name's Andy, and I serve as one of the pastors here at The Way, and I'm so grateful that y'all chose to join with us today as we gather here to celebrate and to worship and to give praise to God Almighty, Amen. A place where we are committed to what? Sharing in hope, living with purpose, for the sake of others. Amen. Amen. You know, what a privilege it is for us to be able to gather today in this way. It's not lost on me that we have the opportunity to freely and to fully worship God in this space, in this place, at this time. Amen? Amen. And I am acutely aware that there are many across the world that cannot do that, that are anything but free including those that are living with us, whose family lives in the Ukraine and is facing great trials and tribulations there. So may we never lose sight. May we never lose sight of the freedoms we have in this country. The freedom, including the freedom to gather and to worship and to give God all the honor and glory today. Amen? Amen. Well, this weekend we know marks the anniversary of the birth of this great nation. Amen? United States, and by no means are we a perfect country, amen? Amen. But I do believe, I do believe that the aspirations of our founders to form a more perfect union still guide us some 250 years later. You know, Thomas Jefferson was one of our first presidents, or not a first president, he was a signer to the Declaration of Independence, and he was one of our earliest presidents. And in his first inaugural address, March 4th, of 1801, he made this statement, he made the statement that the U.S., the U.S. government is the world's best hope, world's best hope, and no doubt, I think all we would all agree that this country has inspired hope in the millions of people, not just in this country, but across the world and continues to do so today, but I must ask, can any country be the world's greatest hope? Can any institution be the world's greatest hope? I dare say that no nation, no institution can be the world's greatest hope because they are made up of people, imperfect people, like those I'm looking at and like the one you're looking at. Amen. We are all imperfect people. So just what is the world's greatest hope? Well, that's the question I want us to explore today. As we celebrate this weekend, as we continue in this series of Back to the Basics, and we ask questions of our faith, I want to pose that question to you today. What is the world's greatest hope? Well, I believe that it's found in the greatest story that has ever been captured on paper and continues to unfold to this day. It is God's story. And it's what we find in the closing chapter of the closing book of the greatest book of all time, the Bible. That I believe we find the world's greatest hope. So I invite you to turn with me now and let's listen in to John close out the book of Revelation. And he closes it this way, beginning in in verse six of chapter 22, we read, The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. That they may have the right to the tree of life. And may go through the gates into the city. Outsider dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says yes. I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty Father, I thank you for this beautiful day. It is warm outside, but Lord, it is a gift of a new day, a day that we were not promised and yet you granted to each and every one of us. I pray as we meditate on this day and this moment, Lord, that we meditate upon your word and what your word has to say to us and in us and through us. God, as we meditate on this, the ending of the greatest story ever captured, that we be mindful that we are called and you offer to reveal yourself through the living word, your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, may Jesus be present with us today and may the Holy Spirit move in and through us today. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. You know, in case you doubt it, or in case you were in doubt, Jesus is coming back. Amen? Amen. Amen. The New Testament speaks to His coming back some 300 times. Jesus Himself repeatedly talked about His return. And here we find in the book of Revelation. Alice, should I switch mics? I got a lot of feedback here. Hopefully this is a little better. Here we find in the, the last book, the book of Revelation, chock full of images and symbolism, we find John capturing Jesus speaking three times in the closing chapter, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Now, I don't know about you, but for John, these must have been heartwarming words. For you see, John is old in age, he's in prison on an island, but this is the very same John that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. This is the very same G- John that, that witnessed Jesus reach out and touch a leper to heal him and to, to heal the sick and to cast out demons. This is the same John that that saw the unimaginable happen by Christ Jesus, where he walked on water, where he calmed the storms, and where with just a meager handful of fish and bread, he fed thousands. This is the same John that would sit at the feet of Jesus, hearing him teach wherever he went over those three years of his life in ministry here on earth. And this is the same John that would have been disturbed as Jesus in the upper room would describe that he was going to be betrayed, that he would be beaten, that he would be nailed to a cross. And he would see that actually take place. You see, this is the same John that, that would be the first to race to the empty tomb after Mary had spoken the unbelievable, the unimaginable that Jesus was alive, that Jesus had risen from the grave. And this is the same John that would encounter the risen Jesus Christ and would be told to wait in Jerusalem until the power and presence of the Holy Spirit would come upon him. And in hearing those words, he would look up as he saw Jesus ascend into heaven amongst with the rest of the disciples. And John would be the one to hear these words of two men that appeared as those disciples were looking up into the sky, saying, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back, y'all. Jesus is coming back. But for John, it's been a while since those days. John's seen a lot in between the days of Christ telling him that and the days in which he's imprisoned. More lives have been transformed by the power of the gospel and at his hand as he and Peter would walk by and call out and raise people in healing to walk the lame. Remember, Jesus said you would go on to do greater things. Well, John lived that. John saw that. John experienced that. But he also witnessed countless others reject rather than embrace a life in Christ. He saw the church at its best when they would pray together, when they would sell their possessions, when they would give to the poor, when they would share and care with one another to the point that other people took notice and said, I want what you have. But he also saw the church at its worst, where they were lukewarm, where they would get into fights over big things and small things, where false teachers would enter in and cause a lot of disarray as to what to believe and what not to believe, while people took notice. You see, Jesus, John saw a lot in those days. John would also witness many of his friends die, persecuted, martyred for their faith, for their faith in Christ Jesus, all in an attempt by a hostile culture and a nation trying to silence the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, as I reflect on these things, the 21st century isn't a whole lot different than that first century that John experienced. Amen? But here we see John and we hear John capture Jesus' words, I am coming soon. And for John, he finds hope in this. Hope because of the accompanying vision that John had been given through God about this. If we look back at chapter 21, we begin to see this grand vision of how all things end when there's a new heaven and a new earth, when God will come and dwell with his people again. This is what John was hearing and seeing in his vision. He was told that this would be a time when there's no more crying, there's no more sorrow, there's no more death, there's no more pain. I can't wait for that day. How about y'all? This is what John was hearing and seeing. And his seeing coincided with what he's hearing as he heard God proclaim, I am making everything new. That's Revelation 21.5. And by everything, he means everything. A new world, a new heaven, a new earth, a new cosmos, a new humanity, if you will, in terms of our resurrection. I love the way that Dr. Siemens puts it. He says, God's grand purpose and plan of redemption extends beyond mere human destiny. God will transform and renew everything, everything that he has made. And if you thought that vision wasn't good enough, the vision continues. If you look at the opening of chapter 22, right before what we read today, and we find that there's a new Eden. And y'all know what Eden is, right? It's the garden. It's the garden. And if you go back to the very beginning, the opening chapter, Genesis 1 and 2, where we find that all things are tove. that it is they're good. And when he, God made humanity, he said they're coltove. Y'all know what that means, right? Very good. It's in the beginning, it's in the garden that God would walk in the cool of the day with humanity. And this is what is being restored, a way that things were in the very beginning before we began to grapple with and embrace sin that got between us and God, between us and one another. And the strife and the selfishness and the pettiness and the pride and then the guilt and the shame that associate with that and even death itself has gotten between us and what we are intended, what we were desired for. You see, this vision that John has in the closing act of Revelation, it's the fulfillment of Jesus' sacrifice, His resurrection, and His promise to come again, His defeat over death, His defeat over sin, and His offer for us to experience the same. It is in Christ's return that we find the fulfillment of all of this take place. The redemptive work of the cross, y'all, we're going to see the fullness of that in the days ahead. You see, no doubt, John was eager to see this unfold. And I don't know about you, but if, if we're honest, I think we all are eager to see this unfold. A day when there's no more sorrow and no more tears. No more tyranny. No more oppressive systems. No more prejudice. No more human trafficking. No more strife. No more war. No more fill in the blank. A day when the righteous justice is brought forth for everyone and to everyone. You see, here's the sobering reality for us. Try as we may. Try as we may. Our ability to create a better world falls woefully short of the world that God desires, God designed, and God will restore. And what we should strive for. You see, there's tremendous hope in knowing how it all ends. For the ending is filled with hope. One in which God wins. His redemptive work is fulfilled. Wrongs are made right. All things are made new. This is what Christ Jesus came for. This is what Jesus Christ is coming back for. This is what we're all craving for. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I am coming soon, Jesus declares. I am coming soon. And here's the thing. His return is certain to happen. But the timing of when He will return is uncertain. You see, anticipating Christ's return should fill us with joyful confidence. It's the world's greatest hope because he, because he is the greatest hope. Why? Because it's not the end of the world as we know it, to borrow from R.E.M., though the world will end and we long to see evil no longer play its havoc on this world. Yes, we are also waiting for the new bodies, if you will, the resurrected bodies that we declare and affirm in the Apostles' Creed, the day in which we will reunite with those that have gone before us in faith. Yes, that too. You see, ultimately, I pray that we long, like John no doubt longed for, to long to be with Jesus himself. You see, after all, the second coming is ultimately about a person, not an event. Let me say that again. The second coming is ultimately about a person and not an event. You know, there are many that will downplay his return. And there are quite many others that will overhype and get caught up in the signs of the times, getting lost in that and perhaps losing focus of the one who's coming. But I would offer to you the thing that challenges me most and the thing that I think perhaps challenges all of us the most are the words that I find by a mentor of mine, Dr. Steve Siemens. I quoted him earlier, and I want to quote him here. He posited this. He said, sadly, the absence of our eager expectation of his return is, I believe, the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. That's what it finally boils down to. We just don't miss him enough long to be with Him enough or desire enough that He be with us. Folks, I'm convicted of that. How about you? Do you long to be with Jesus? Do we long for His return? Do we wait with abated bated breath for His return? You see, He says, I am coming soon. Which leads me back to today. What are we to do? in our waiting. What are we to do in our anticipation? What are we to do waiting for that day to come? Well, I believe that Jesus is calling us to live this day for that day. That we don't have to wait for that day to experience what Jesus wants you and I to experience on this day, at this moment. The fact that the risen Lord offers to be with us today, here and now. So how do we live this day for that day? Well, let me leave you with two things. The first is to embrace, and the second is to share. To embrace. Embrace the reality that Jesus wants to be with us today. We need not wait for that day to experience the risen Christ. Amen? We need not wait for that day to embrace the love that Jesus has for you today. Amen? We need not wait for that day to experience the forgiveness and the restoration that he wants to offer to you today. Amen. We need not wait for that day to experience the healing that he wants to offer in you and through you to others. Amen. We need not wait for that day in order to embrace salvation that is offered to every one of us today. What is it that we reflected on last week? Question, what is salvation? And we were. Look back at Zacchaeus and we're reminded that Jesus said, Today, today, salvation has come to this house. So if you haven't embraced, if you haven't embraced the grace of God in your life, if you haven't embraced faith in Jesus, if you haven't returned your yes to his yes for you and lay claim to you that he desires to place on your life through his great sacrifice for you, let today be the day. You begin living for that day by saying yes. Come talk to Pastor Ann. Come talk to me. Come talk to someone else that's already walking with Jesus, because He wants to meet you today and allow you to embrace today, but you also will experience in fulfillment on that day. Embrace His grace. And the second thing that I want to leave you with is this: is to share His grace. To share. In the coming of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, right? But we need to live into that reality today. You see, we need to live into that reality today where there is a new heaven and a new earth. A day when death and decay, sickness and hunger, slavery and injustice will be no more. The day when God will fill all of creation with His glory and His righteousness. You see, as followers of Jesus, He left us with work to do. And the power to do it. The power presence of the Holy Spirit that He offered to His disciples upon His ascending into heaven. He said, wait here until you receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Well, that power lives in us today. We're empowered to see His kingdom come, His will be done here and now. Revealing the hope we hold to a world in need of hope. I love the way that N.T. Wright puts it. And I want to close with a quote from him. He's a modern-day theologian. He's a stinker thinker. He can think a lot harder than I can, but he can say things a lot better than I can. Can I get amen on that? (laughs) He writes this. He says, Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of His creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, Every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creations. And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrection power of God, into the new creation that God will one day make. That is the logic of the mission of God. God's recreation of his wonderful world means that we do in Christ and by the spirit in the present is not wasted. It will last all the way into God's new world. In fact, it will be enhanced there. Folks, we have the greatest hope the world could ever embrace. His name is Jesus. And we are called to go and be His hands and feet to extend that hope to everyone and to anyone that would come into contact with. That is the world's greatest hope. And we hold it. Rather, He holds us. His name is Jesus. So may we be like those that John captured in the vision, that invite and take the invitation to come. As the bride that we shout out, come Lord Jesus, come. And in the conclusion where he says, amen, come Lord Jesus, come. May we be those kind of people today. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege it is to, to stand and to to share and to reflect upon your word and how the end of the story is a magnificent story. It's one that will not disappoint. And it's an end that we are all invited to be a part of and incorporated into through faith in Christ Jesus. So God, today, wherever we're placing our hope, I know for some, we place it in an institution or a movement or a business Or even a nation or a government, or maybe in our own strength. But God, we know that all of those places we place our hope will be destined to disappoint us, to fail us. But God, through your Son Jesus Christ, there is a one true hope that is offered to everyone and to anyone. And so, Lord, I pray today we renew our sense of faith in Him. Lord, that we would long. To walk with you, Lord Jesus, daily, today, so that we might live today for that day. Because we don't have to wait for tomorrow to experience and embrace your grace today. God, I pray for those within the sound of my voice that if they have yet to embrace that grace, Lord, that they would come forward today. They would embrace the grace that you have for them. And for those of us that have said yes, Lord, may we not be tepid. May we not be lukewarm. Lord, may we be on fire for you. May our hearts desire to be to walk with you and to share you with everyone and with anyone we meet. Lord, you are the greatest hope. And I ask all of this in the high and the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ, who says, I am coming soon. May it be soon, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And the church said, amen. Amen. Let it.